Good morning. I do greet you in Jesus' name. What I have to share with you this morning is something that's not very new. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shine. Now turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zeblin and Nephthalim, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, The land of Zebulun and the, na- the land of Nephthalim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Note the next verse. The people which sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light has sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <coughs> And I'm going to skip to verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sicknesses and all manner of disease among the people. And I'll stop reading. Now, if you remember, last Sunday, this was the devotional for the Sunday school lesson. Richard bounced on this. And I couldn't get this verse, verse 16 of chapter 4, out of my mind. The people which sat in darkness saw a great light. I thought it would be kind of nice to give you a little prelude to Christmas. <coughs> in the Christmas spirit. So as we think about this darkness and this light, I find for myself it's something that I take for granted. The light, especially the physical light. i got a light shining right on me. How many of you have been in a power outage and you walk into whatever room and you're instantly hitting the light switch and you're like, duh, there's no light. There was a great light and there's still that light. There all, but there was also a great darkness as well. How dark was it? There had been a period of, what, 400 years before Jesus that God had been silent, had spoken through any prophets, nothing had been said, nothing had happened, was silent. Had that led to this great darkness? Is that what prepared for this 
light that would come into the world. The darker it gets, the greater the light. You don't have to look very far around our surroundings, our world, to see darkness. There's still war raging. There's still shootings. There's still persecution. There's still hunger. There's still poverty. Just take a trip. Just take a trip to the cities. And you'll find it. I had the privilege of joining the youth group yesterday, going to the cities. Colleen and I had the opportunity of getting two Spanish gentlemen a lunch that did not know any English. And thankfully, we had technology such as Google Translate that I was able to somewhat get beyond that barrier. But, you know, we also saw homeless Shelters, tents along the road. And if you know what yesterday was like, it was miserable. Damp, dreary, snowy, rainy. Can you imagine living in a tent? Even in our own personal lives, is there darkness? Maybe there's frustration at work. Maybe a a health concern, a financial problem. Maybe depression or addictions. You know, those struggles can be a darkness that that is in our life. And we need to be called from that darkness into light. I'd like to begin at the at the beginning, the foundation. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Very familiar. Does light have anything significant to do with the beginning of time? The very first thing that God created. So look at the first four verses. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form. And void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Right at the start of the Bible, creation. God didn't waste any time separating darkness and light. There's no confusion. It's a distinct difference. I want to point, make two points from this. The one, the first point is that God defines the light good. If you see that, I hadn't really thought about that before. I mean, I know going through the creation, there's multiple places where God said it's good. He created this and said it was good. But particularly here, note that God saw the light, that it was good. 
He didn't say that God saw that the light and that the darkness and it was good. He specifically emphasizes the light. Light is good. Darkness is not good. Very simple, very basic. Light equals life equals good. Dark equals death equals bad. God never defines the darkness as good. Second point that I would like to from the creation account is the dividing that God did between light and darkness there at the end of verse 4 and God divided the light from the darkness (coughs) (coughs) he makes a very distinct separation and of course in my mind I begin to wonder well what if God had not made a clear boundary or dividing. What if light and darkness could mix? It'd be confusing. And how would it look? Because in my mind, I feel like light and darkness do somewhat mix because as the light fades, darkness comes in. As darkness fades, light comes in. So there is this shades of light. But there's still a contrast between light and darkness. I mean, if we would make this room all pitch black and we had a source of power and we turned the light on, the darkness has to leave. There's no way that darkness can stay here unless there's something, a shadow that's in between that source of light. Am I making something simple, complicated? It's a fact that there's a divide. Darkness cannot be part of God's character. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. So I don't know that we have to waste a lot of time beating that, but there is a clear line between light and darkness. Going back to our Matthew account, (coughs) 
I read from Isaiah chapter 9. He prophesied about this light coming into the world to the Gentiles. Was it seven, eight hundred years roughly that Isaiah had prophesied that Jesus came into the world? And I don't know, um, you know, some of the discussion in Sunday school, I enjoyed the Sunday school lesson, but, you know, with Jesus' first miracle, did, did this have any, any part with the start of Jesus, Jesus' ministry? You know, um, here in this, uh, chapter in Matthew 4, you know, John was the forerunner of Jesus. John had a, uh, had a, uh, a mission to accomplish. And what was his mission? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was his mission. That was his, that was what he was supposed to be doing. And it wasn't until John was in prison, that's when Jesus then, uh, went. And his mission, what was that? Was to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was a continuation. And I was just wondering where in this chronological order was this miracle of the, of the wedding in relation to John and this account that we have here. Jesus begins proclaiming exactly what John the Baptist had. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, that was something that didn't resonate very well with those that were leaders that day. If you were a ruler of your country and there were some rebels that came into your country and we were talking about another kingdom, another country, another taking over, that would be a concern. That was not what this was about. But the rulers did not want to hear that. So... Is that why John got put in prison? You know, darkness was in Jesus' time too. But the darkness is why the light matters. If there is no darkness, then why do we need light? If you close your eyes and you refuse to acknowledge the darkness, then you don't see no need for no light. And we have no reason for hope. But there is reason for hope and there is reason for joy. Because there is darkness and we can be that source of light that can offer that hope. So we have to see the light. That great light there in Matthew is Jesus, God's Son, our Savior. The light of the world into our darkness, into our everyday lives that there's conflict, there's turmoil, chaos, despair. But there's a great light that can shine in. And it can shine that darkness away. And we can overcome it. 
Jesus' time on earth gave us a glimpse of that light. He also refers to the kingdom of heaven at hand. So as Jesus was here on earth, you know, his light coming into the earth, to this world, was like part of heaven coming here, drawing near. Is that what Jesus means when he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Come near. So there in Matthew 4, uh, verse 17, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he goes into those verses I didn't read, calling his disciples. And then verse 23, um, Teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manners of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. I see three things here. He's teached, or let me get it right. He taught in the synagogues, so he's teaching, and he was proclaiming the good news, and he was healing those that were sick. That is what it means that the light has come into the world, that the kingdom of heaven has come near. When Jesus teaches and proclaims, and heals. And it comes near when the church, when us as Christians do the same. Do we teach? Do we proclaim? Do we heal? Now, I'm not talking about healing as in a physical healing, but do we bring healing to people? Do we bring healing as in encouragement and those that are struggling? Do we come alongside our brothers and sisters and and help them in their in their struggle. Are we like that light that can shine into their life? The good news, the kingdom being proclaimed. The first one. You know, I don't want to focus a lot on this, but you know, there there's bad news and and if you were a negative person, you could totally get uh Swamped in that in that news, and our media just loves to to portray that. I mean, you look at the headlines; it's always something bad happening, something you know. Very seldom, now eh, you might see a occasional headline of some act of kindness, but you know, it's usually something very traumatic happening. So, what is the good news? God loves you. God loves the world. Jesus was sent to be that light to the world, to redeem us from our sins, to offer us hope and healing, to give us that peace that we can have. That should be the breaking news. That should be the banners that are running across our headlines. Instead of the war in Gaza, or the war in Ukraine, or... I mean, those things are legit. Those happen. I'm not belittling that. But that's that's secular news. But what's our news? Should it not be 
God loves you. Are we willing to proclaim that? And if we proclaim that, are we not then bringing the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, to this earth? Do we not draw the kingdom of heaven near? Which brings me to my second one, the kingdom of heaven draws near. Just as Jesus went about proclaiming the good news and teaching the kingdom of heaven draws near, we can draw the kingdom of heaven near too. We can continue to learn and teach what Jesus taught. We need to live in that light. And as we live in that light, we draw that kingdom. Hearing the good news, proclaiming it, is just the beginning but that's the beginning. It sets us on a journey. And we start. And we we get excited. <coughs> the there's a lot to learn. And we and it's a start. And we follow. We begin to follow Jesus. That's when the real learning begins. As you think of disciple, a disciple is one that literally is one that learns. We are disciples and we learn as we go. We can't learn everything on the very first time, the very first day. But it's a continuation, it's a growing, it's, it's as we march on. There's things in life, there's things in, that lessons that we learn in our life that help us and make us grow and realize where we need to get our source of strength from. It takes patience, it takes perseverance and willingness to keep learning. <coughs> Excuse me. And whenever we do that, the kingdom of heaven draws near. The third is the gospel reminds us the kingdom of heaven coming near is in the healing. And I alluded to this already a little bit. But are we, as a church, do we bring healing to people? Do we minister to people's needs? And I believe we do. There's different ways of doing that. Singing at the nursing homes is one way. Youth, yesterday you were a light in the world, in a dark world. I got to tag along, I got to watch. And I got to watch many people all of a sudden, oh, I don't know, gawking is the word or not. I mean, they, it was, I had to do a double take sometimes when I saw, particularly in one spot, they were up high in a building in a glass front, and they were flat up against the window watching you guys. But it wasn't only there either. There was other places well as well too. <coughs> Our world needs healing. It's not just physical healing. It's the healing for their soul. 
helping to heal our world will help the kingdom of heaven draw near. (coughs) Reflecting the light. (coughs) Richard mentioned this in his devotions last Sunday, and I liked it. I guess I never thought maybe about it in this connection before, but he mentioned... How how many remember that? Okay, a few. He mentioned that when the light reflects, uh, it goes through a prism, and you see the different colors. And I actually have one of them. I was going to bring it this morning. I was so spited I forgot. But the sun's not shining, so I don't think it would work. But... He used the illustration that as God's light shines in us, there's a variation of colors that come out. We're all unique, we're, we're different, but as we blend together, we can make something beautiful. So as we think of that, reflecting God's light, is that what people are seeing? Something that's beautiful? Jesus invites us to come into the light to repent, to follow Him. And as we do that, we do have something to show to the, to the world. So we looked at Matthew chapter 4 here. So go to the next chapter in Matthew 5. There in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. Some very, very familiar verses. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light candle and put them under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I have come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am come, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And I find, as that was talking through there, and there's multiple places as you read through the Bible, particularly verse 17 there, Jesus is saying that I'm not coming to destroy but to fulfill. So, we looked at Isaiah. He prophesied about this great light coming into the world. Jesus fulfilled that. And it's like Jesus is... Part of that word of God. And every everything is always fulfilled. It's not destroyed. It, it And it's always met in uh, perfect precision too. It never missed, missed by one day or, or, or anything was different about it. What, what it said is what it did. It's like it was predicted future. I mean, that's what we have in the Bible. A third of this Bible is, is prophecy. It's like we have the history in front of us. And it's going to happen. It will always be right. We are the light of the world. If we are the people that walk in darkness, we will not have that light. But we need to be the people that walk in the light so that the people that are walking in darkness can see that great light and that they can too want to follow Jesus. 
Jesus is asking us to be that light, that light on a hill, to proclaim the good news, to teach. <coughs> Let's shine our light. Told myself this. Let's shine the light and let's quit playing in the dark, even at the edges of the darkness or the edges of the light. But let's run into the light so that the darkness flees. There is no evidence of darkness. It is up to us to to show that light to be that light of the world. Why? So they can see your good works. It's part of it. But so they can glorify, how does it say? Uh, your light world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This Christmas, <coughs> think about that light, that light that has come into the world, has given us a hope to keep pressing on. Let's also be thankful for those that have gone before us and that have shown their light and have given us an example, something to put our hope into, the light of Christ. We need to resolve to do that. John 1 9, the true light who gives light to every man has come into the world. Psalms 27 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I dread? Psalms 118.27 The Lord is God. He has made His light to shine upon us. And there was lots of other verses I could read that pointed to the light. That light. Turn back to Isaiah. Chapter 5. <laughs> Think about Isaiah 5, verse 20. As we think about swapping darkness and light, mixing light and darkness, let's read verse Isaiah 5, verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitterness for sweet and sweet for bitterness. Notice that verse. Basically, it's a no-brainer. It's simple. Light is light and dark is darkness. And we can't swamp it. And I believe what this is talking about here is those that walk in darkness 
will become misled, confused, to, to the point where light is nothing. They don't, what may be light, what is right, is, is skewed as darkness. Woe to those who put darkness for light, to those that swap, interchange what is right they make wrong, what is wrong they make right. Those that cross those boundaries between those two remove that dividing line that God has set there. What is good is good. Don't call evil. What is bad is bad. Don't call it good. Light and dark do not mix. God is light. And He cannot mix darkness with Him at all. Period. I'm going to close with a poem. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world, once in the night, but brought into the light, once dead, but made alive, once in darkness, but brought into his brightness. You are the light of the world, enlightened and illuminated by the light, the way, the truth, and the life, made the hands and the feet of the Most High, made his voice in the wilderness. His emissary, his ambassador. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill, called to call others who sit in darkness, called to point others to the cross, called to shine in the darkness, called to be co-workers with God, called to lay down your life for others, called to be a bridge for others to cross to God, called to carry your cross and die on it. You are the light of the world, a citizen of heaven, redeemed from the curse of the law, blood brought, blood kept, rescued from the snare of Satan, washed, sanctified, set aside for the master's use, a vessel of honor, a masterpiece, created for good works, created to leave a legacy for eternity, created to give praise, honor, and glory to your maker. You are the light of the world, created to be a heavenly deposit on earth, called to produce a mammoth yield, called to result in a great divide, called to result in a great dividend, Born to be a breath of fresh air, born to blossom like a flower, unfurling, unfolding your beauty daily, oozed your fragments everywhere, wafting songs, making melodies, music. You are the light of the world, called to be full of the world, full of the word, delighting in the word, armed with the word, saturated with the word, armed, adorned with the word, directed, counseled by the word, fueled and propelled by the word, feeding frequently on the word. You are the light of the world, shining in the darkness, giving glory to the God of glory. Shall we kneel for prayer? Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you for creating light and separating light from darkness. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with each one as we ponder your light. And Lord, we thank you that Jesus is that light that could come into the world and to 
set us free from the bondage of sin and Satan. And Lord, I just pray as we reflect on that, as we again remember this Christmas season, Lord, the reason for you coming to earth, that we would have a meaningful way of remembering the light. And that not only that, but also being that light and shining that light to others that need it. Lord, be with each one here this morning, each heart, each need, each struggle, each trial. Just pray that you would help us to run into the light and to make the darkness fade away. Go with each one. Thank you for being here this morning. I just pray that you would bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.